and the economy was was had tanked and so they had to have interest rates really low and we got used to these super under uh, um really artificially low interest rates and i we're just gonna have to get over that welcome to the teacher money show the podcast dedicated to helping educators like yourself navigate your unique financial challenges and unlock your financial superpowers. I'm your host, Sean Morgan, a full-time teacher and entrepreneur, and I'm here to help teachers navigate everything related to your money. Whether you have questions about budgeting on a teacher's salary, managing student loans, increasing your income, or making the most of your benefits, I'm here to make money less confusing, more empowering, and a tool you can use to focus on what matters most. So whether you're a seasoned teacher looking for fresh insights or a new educator navigating your first paycheck, this podcast is your go-to resource for all things money-related. So if you're ready to have a richer wallet, classroom, and life, let's dive in. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither I nor my guests are engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should not act upon this information without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Welcome to the Teacher Money Show. So excited to have our guest, uh, Todd Christensen, here with us today. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit about Todd, uh, so that way everyone knows why we should listen to this guy. And then we'll get into our, our topic, which is all about uh, mortgages. So Todd is not a school teacher but a financial educator. He is a HUD certified housing counselor. He's an accredited financial counselor, among many other certifications. The list was kind of long, so we cut, cut them back. He's got a lot under his belt. Uh, he is the education manager for Money Fit by Debt Reduction Services, Inc., a nationwide nonprofit financial wellness, debt management, and housing counseling agency. Todd is the author of Everyday Money for Everyday People, and 50 plus on fire and the creator of the award-winning course my life my choice todd develops educational programs and produces materials that teach personal financial skills and responsibilities todd develops and publishes free personal finance webinars tools calculators and other resources through the money fit academy topics include credit building debt reduction, spending priorities consumer behaviors saving strategies and identity protection Todd founded Money Fits Housing Counseling Program in 2021 and has helped hundreds of individuals through difficult housing situations and challenges. And housing is what we are here to talk about today. So obviously he is very qualified and his credentials go on and on. So this is going to be a really fun conversation. How are you doing today, Todd? John, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here tonight. And uh, sorry that it took so long. It just, just makes me feel old when you have to, all this stuff, it's taken me years to do all that. So it's good to be with you. Well, don't feel too old. I think that you're in the prime of life doing a wonderful, wonderful things. If only my so, body thought the same. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it starts breaking down earlier than I expected. I'm already at that point. Yeah, uh, it happens to the best. <laughs> Let's dive right on in with our, our topic about mortgage, yeah. mortgages, owning homes, and how teachers uh, can can understand this. So mm -hmm. first of all, just want to dive on in. Why do teachers want to own a home? Is renting preferred? Is owning preferred? 
What do you think? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, it, housing generally, choices of housing is very personal choice. Whether you want to own or rent, whether you want to live uh, in your school boundaries or not. My father-in-law was a media uh, ran a media center for middle school, and he didn't want to live in his school boundaries. He didn't want to, for whatever reason. And I've had neighbors, uh, several neighbors, who did want to live in the same school boundaries. Um, whether you want to have a townhome uh, versus a single family home, you know, townhomes, no yard duty, right? So <laughs> it's, uh, there, there, it's, it's very personal, but owning a home generally, uh, it, it provides a sense of stability because it really, it's, that's when you want to look at owning a home is when you know you're going to be around for a few years, but renting offers some great flexibility. And um, sometimes it's cheaper. Sometimes it's not. That's, it's the weird thing over the last five, 10 years is renting used to be, much more affordable than homes, uh, than uh, than a mortgage. But um, over the last ten years or so, uh, it's been almost on par. Although we're starting to see that's a, that's changed um, in a lot of markets. All right. So owning a home is a choice. It depends on what what your um, ideas are. But I mean, with interest rates the way they are, does owning a home even make sense? Yeah. Now that's uh, that is the uh, million dollar question, right? Everybody is uh, is afraid of the interest rate. Oh, you know the interest rates are so high uh, because at, collectively we have a very very short term memory. Um, and I'm going to go back to my age. I mean, I not that old, but when we bought our first home, interest rates were typically six to seven percent. And on seconds, they were eight, nine percent, which is right where we're at. And this is the early 2000s. The only reason we've been used to these interest rates in the three percent, four percent range is because the Great Recession, which happened because of the terrible housing cra market crash, what happened is nobody could buy a home when the when when everybody was afraid to buy these in a crashing market. So. And the economy was was had tanked, and so they had to have interest rates really low. And we got used to these super under, uh, um, really artificially low interest rates. And I, we're just going to have to get over that. Um, I don't think in my lifetime, and I'm, I, I could be wrong. I'm not a lender. I'm not an economist. But I just don't see it going back to that sort of thing. And I kind of hope it doesn't. Not personally, I wish it would personally, but the reason why it was low is because we had gone through something very traumatic as um, as a nation and as uh, as a world economy. So, if you look back 50 years, percentage rates, av average interest rates, are actually on homes are going to be about eight percent. So, um, even even if they go up a little more. Now is still it, it's always a good time to be become a homeowner because your rent will always go up year after year, decade after decade. Whereas if you get into a mortgage, yeah, up front it it might be a little more of a struggle. But after 10, 15 years, it's gonna be a lot less than what you would have been paying for rent. So 
um, there's never a bad time to buy a home as long as it's, you know, not, not at hyperinflated interest rates. And I mean, in, in the 80s, right, interest rates were in the teens and people still bought homes then, too. And they then when they refinanced out of it. So, yeah, and, it yeah exactly. And, and you know what happens when when interest rates go up, uh, the demand tends to go down, which we've seen, which means sellers try to bring down the home prices. Now, the problem is, is there's still in most places and well, I should say a lot of places. um a shortage of homes. We just have a shortage of homes in this country. People think, oh, it's going to be a buyer's market um, because prices are coming down. No, they're not coming down. It's still not a buyer's market. It is still a seller's market. Um, and so there's there's not enough home inventories, housing inventory, um, as we would like to see in a normal, what's called a balanced market. All right. So we've got this issue of we're a little worried about interest rates, but they're actually historically okay interest rates. Yeah. But there's just not enough homes out there. But before we can even talk about buying a home, can teachers even afford to buy a home? I mean, like you have to put down 20% on a home, right? And yeah, right. Uh, if you're in any of these, you know, normal markets, you need to buy a two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar home, it seems like these days. Yeah. We're talking about 60 grand for 20% down. That's more than a lot of teachers make in a year. Yeah. I mean, if if you haven't looked into it in the, uh, before, you may hear that 20% uh, figure uh, thrown out all the time. You have to come up with 20% down. You have to save for 20% down, plus closing costs, you know, another 5% or whatever. And it freaks a lot of people out. So uh, there are plenty of homebuyer programs. First time home buyer or not even if even if you are in a home now and you want to move to another home, there are still other opportunities to get into a home for uh, for home loans for three percent, five percent, two percent, one percent, sometimes none down in, in, in many cases. It's typically for pretty low income homes, households. But um, don't let that thought of the 20 percent down payment deter you from even looking. Uh, because there are opportunities out there to to find something. Are there any uh, opportunities specifically for teachers? You know, if if you do a search online, you will find some programs, and that's air quotes. There's my air quotes for the for the night. Um, the reality is that there's there are no that I know of, and I'm not a lender, but I don't know of any uh, government programs specifically for um, for lending money to teachers for homes. Now, there may be out there, uh, but there there are so many good uh, opportunities, so many loans out there uh, for first-time home buyers that it, it wouldn't matter if you're a, a, a teacher or any other profession. There's there's one that's that's for you. Now, the reality is you've got to make the monthly payment to fit into your budget. That's the biggest challenge on any, at any interest uh, interest rate and on any home uh, price, a uh, sales price or purchase price, because it's, it's human nature. Sean, you, you know, you're not going to be surprised for me to say that when interest rates are down, we buy bigger homes. 
Yeah. Because we can afford bigger homes. And so <laughs> people say, think about, think about, um, oh, well, you know, our housing homes now are so much more expensive than they used to be, whatever, however long ago used to be was. But I, I actually did went in and did some research and homes back, say, in the 1950s, 1960s. Um, the our our grandparents, parents, grandparents, great grandparents, however old you are, they they're they've spent the same amount on their housing every month as a percentage of their income as we do. But the reality is our homes are twice as big. So we could spend less, we could spend a lot less, but we uh, refuse to accept to, to live in a 700 square foot home with two kids or three kids or four kids, you know, and they also had twice as many kids as we did. We do now. Yeah. So it's just, it's, you know, lifestyle is, is, is lifestyle creep is not an individual thing. It's also, a national thing right lifestyle creep for anyone that doesn't know is this idea that as you uh, get used to something uh you you know you just have to have it right or uh, as you get more money you just start to buy more stuff because you have more money and then you that's your new baseline right you're not going to uh you're not going to scale back or it's a lot harder to scale back if it just it's, slows yeah we, up on you. we almost we we virtually refuse to take a step back down because it, it, in our minds, in our hearts, it's, it's taking a step backwards when we are very forward looking as humans. Right. So it, you know, societal uh, lifestyle creep, maybe you can't do much about that, but there is, you know, ways to protect yourself against uh, individual lifestyle creep, but we can talk about that yeah. another time, which is a fantastic topic. Um, uh, me, the, oh, you go I, for it. I, there was one thing I did want to mention about, you know, being creative with being able to get into a first home and, and going back a little about interest rates, um, you can get creative with sellers who may want to, especially um, new construction builders, they may be a little more motivated sometimes to sell a home. And so they might be willing to do what's called a buy down, where for every 1%, uh, they, they might give you some money toward buying down your interest rate. So every 1% of the loan uh, will bring your interest rate down a quarter percent. So if somehow you could get a buyer to or a seller to um, give you a you know 4% discount, you could get an interest rate 1% lower than the current rate. That's, and there's, that's a great piece. Yeah, and there's options to do it for one year, which is cheaper than doing it for two years or three years or for the life of the loan. Yeah, buy downs are, are a huge way to um, play the interest rate yeah. game. I would just be, I'd just say, be very careful about getting like a just a one year or two year, three year buy down because it will go up. Your your monthly payment will go up, and um, that, that's where problems happen is because we get used to it at this level and we spend everything else, and then all of a sudden it goes up, and we now are going into debt. That's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, just a couple of things I want to make sure uh, teachers are aware of. In Texas, anyway, that's where I'm at. Uh, there is a HEROES uh, program where the, you know, cool. it's teachers and first responders or whatever. I don't yeah. remember all the details are because it's for first time uh, home buyers, and I didn't know about it the first time I bought a home here. So, uh, <sighs> but you know, it's the, the the but it's for specifically for teachers and, and uh, first responders and things like that. So, and that's a, that's a state, uh, like that. it's that a state, state program. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so cool. you can just look into your your state. But the the first time homebuyer programs in general are great. Just without saying, oh, I'm a teacher, yeah. I need something extra. Yeah. Uh, and shop stuff. around because not every lender will have the same may may offer the same first time homebuyer program. Yeah, that is true. If you go to a lender and say, I need to buy a home, they might tell you, well, you have to do this, but every lender is different. So yeah, absolutely. Double check that. And then uh, I have a story I need to tell. Yeah, let's about, hear it. That is uh, buying a home and being able to afford it, right? So lenders don't seem to really care that much about your budget sometimes. <laughs> like they have these requirements about what you can afford, but you'd be surprised at how like high it is. Uh, yeah. My lender on an FHA loan, which has, you know, the, the principal interest, taxes, insurance, and then uh, uh, some mortgage insurance uh, on top of that. Uh, so it, it gets pretty high. They they qualified me up to 55% of my income, my, my monthly income. Wow. Uh, which is. That's insane. gross income. That's gross income. So it's, it's absolutely That's not even paycheck. <laughs> so I, I, my, my, I didn't end up going quite that high, but my take home pay after, you know, paying my, my, my taxes and my health care and all these other things, paying into my pension was uh, my, my fir- very first year teaching was uh, $2,100 and some odd dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my monthly payment on my mortgage was 1050. So literally half of my, my money every single month was going to house half yeah. of my money every single month. And the mortgage people said, you can afford that. Right. But yeah, studies show you can't afford that. Right. Yeah. Uh, 30% of your income is the high end of, of what you probably need to be putting towards, towards housing. If you can get it lower than that, it's even better because you want to spend money on other things. It's yeah. just you, you want to spend money on other things. Yeah. So making sure you have you know room for your transportation, room for your food, and then other things on top of that, you need to keep it at 30 or below uh, if you want to, to do that. So be careful. Just because your lender says you can afford it doesn't mean you can actually okay. yeah. afford it. Yeah, just keep in mind that they are they are paid based on commission. So the higher they can lend, the better, the more money they make. So they have, yeah. That's exactly. I I hear that all the time. It's it's very sad, but you know they're they're not on your side to get you the lowest payment or the lowest, you know, housing price, whatever. They're they're on their side. So just keep yeah. that in mind. Okay, so we've been talking about all these programs, but like teachers only work ten months out of the year. Are they even able to get a loan? Yes, uh, uh, um, lenders. You know if. They're going to look at your annual salary generally. Uh, and I know not, I mean, a lot of most teachers that I know, I know of, at least here in, in where I'm based in Idaho and a few other places I've lived, uh, the contracts are often paid throughout um, every month. But if you're only, uh, if you're only paid for the nine, 10 months, then yeah, they're going to look at your, uh, they're going to look at your monthly intake uh, uh your monthly salary as an average over the entire year and so they're going to look at your tax returns and uh they understand and you're on a contract which is which is great i mean they want to they want to see your your take-home pay 
Uh, and then the challenge is if you work uh, some temporary jobs during the summer, quite often those won't count toward income because they're not permanent. Uh, and 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 lenders want to see something that they can rely upon. Or if you if you do your own if you work for yourself and have a, a, a side hustle that you do during the summer, that that uh, they're not generally going to count that toward your income. So they're going to have to rely on your annual on annual salary. But that's also kind of a good thing because that means they're not going to qualify you for a higher loan than you can pay. Yeah, especially if there's a somewhere where, you know, you just decide either you don't want to do do the same thing or you're on your way out somewhere else. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I I do a side hustle every year. I, I sell fireworks. Um, yeah. And, you know, I made eight grand one year and 3500 this year. If I got oh, wow. qualified alone on eight grand over the summer instead of 3,500 and you're like, it, it makes a big difference, right? So you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself and just yeah. doing it based off of your for sure income is probably uh, the right choice there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we're in, we've been in this crazy market here, this crazy uh, buy and sell market. Uh, when is the right time to buy for teachers? Like how do we handle this since we've, got like the cyclical job thing going on. Yeah. And it's, on? it's tough. Um, the, the, the busiest time for selling the big, the highest demand is, uh, you know, April through the summer. And, uh, because that's when most people can move because their kids are out of school or, uh, if, you know, in a teacher's case, you know, you are, in, you have the time where you can move. Um, but think about it this way. If, uh, if there's higher demand, it means higher prices. And it's true that prices go up and down cyclically of home values, home, home prices throughout the year. So sometime around October, uh, uh, late September, they, they do start to go down, uh, typically, I mean, down it's, there's like two waves. There's there's the national um, mood that you know might be going up or might be going down, and then there's the cyclical annual thing. And so depending on how those meet, it might go way up or might go way down or might be the same. But generally, you're 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 going to find better prices on homes on the, those off on the off season, which is you know, October through through March maybe, and. Um, and you'll have if uh, if you're looking for homes around uh, the holidays, the end of the year, you're going to have your realtor all to yourself because <laughs> they they are not going to be working with very many. They're not going to have nearly as many clients as they normally would have have other times of the year. That's that's the challenge. Is you know if you can only move during the summer, what do you do? So you might want to you know if if you're thinking about doing something like that and you're moving locally. You might in, uh, consider selling and seeing if you can arrange a, a lease back. You can sell your home and lease it for four months or five months um, if you're going to buy buy a home and move in in the in the winter, just as a, as an idea. Or you know, keeping all your stuff in storage and renting short Rent term for until you short find term, yeah, something else, right? Uh, that way you can basically sell at the top and then buy at the bottom of, yeah. of that year. Yeah, oh, that's a fantastic uh, suggestion. The, the, 
the challenge is always having to move twice, right? Nobody wants to move twice if they don't have to. But um, yeah, I mean, if you can find a short-term rental that's a part that that's a decent price, and you, or maybe ship down downsize, yeah, at least for a few months. Awesome. That is that is a great suggestion. Okay, so let's shift into let's say you're a teacher and you have a mortgage already. Hey, you're already a homeowner. And you're trying to figure out what you can do because we've got, you know, this this economic uncertain time. Um, you know, there, there's suggestions like, you know, paying your mortgage, you know, half during the halfway through the month, half to the other end of the month. Does that work? And are there any other suggestions to, to help teachers with this burden of having a mortgage to pay? So I, I think that, I mean, that is a great, it is a great op op option because because what it does is it cuts down somewhat on the interest that you have to pay halfway through the month. You, you're getting charged interest on whatever the balance is. So every time you can bring the balance down, even even a little, you're paying less interest. So over time, you are going to save yourself. You're probably going to pay that off. And I don't know the exact figures, but I would guess um, four, five, six months early, maybe. Think about that's thousands of dollars that you're saving yourself in interest. Uh, and then there are some people that would say, well, if you can... Uh, if you can even make a payment every two weeks instead of twice a month, then by the end of the year, you've made another month of payments. Uh, that really, that, that works if you are paid every two weeks. That makes sense. But if you are paid twice a month or once a month, it, it's a little more difficult to do. But it uh, that would help you make an extra payment. And plus, the human nature is we get used to whatever habits we're in. And if we're in a habit of, of paying a certain amount every single paycheck, then um, we're, we doesn't matter by the end of the year, we just keep making that those payments. We don't even notice that it's an extra payment. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic, fantastic suggestion there. Um, just as a side note, I, I do a lot of side hustles. And one yeah. of mine is a notary. And oh, yeah. uh, there, there is a clause on some mortgages that say if you pay a partial amount, they won't apply it towards the mortgage until you pay the full amount. So you just want to double check that. So that way you're not like doing this to try and get that extra four to six months yeah. and then find out that it's doing absolutely nothing. So yeah. just make sure that it, it works with your yeah. mortgage servicer. You want to you want to work it through the mortgage company, get their get their take on it because yeah, otherwise somebody, it's it just might be put toward the interest. Uh, which doesn't work out quite as well for you. Right. Are there any other suggestions on, on things that teachers can do to handle having a mortgage, paying it down, or anything like that? Well, I, you know, I think what you're talking about, like side hustles. Anytime you can have a side hustle, um, you know, use it. You can use it to put toward your your mortgage. A lot of people talk. You know, if you ask ask a financial planner. They'll say, "Oh, never pay off your mortgage. Always have a mortgage because of the in, of the tax deduction, and it'd be better off investing it." Okay, just keep keep in mind that they're not talking. They're talking just numbers. They're not talking life. The idea of getting rid of a mortgage is not just financial. It is a security issue. Yeah, you get rid of your mortgage, and you you no longer have a, a tax write off, a deduction, but you're also not paying any mortgage period and um, you're not going to lose your home because somehow you you can't earn any any income 
you know, what you get to 28 years of paying uh, your mortgage. And for the last uh, two years before it's paid off, somehow you lose your ability to earn income and all that mortgage. If you don't sell the home, you know, you could, could be foreclosed on it. It's like, not likely to happen, but theoretically it could happen. So yeah, just whatever extra money you can put toward it, you'll never regret it. And especially as interest rates are a little higher. And if they do go down, you can um, re you can um, refinance. Uh, hopefully at a shorter term, maybe 15 years, 20 years, but also lower interest rate. Yeah, that's that's some great advice. Now I have a home that's at 2.65 percent. I'm I'm not <laughs> going to pay that off early. No. Yeah, but no. I, you There's know. other things you can do. That's that's pretty darn low. Yeah. Like the the six seven eight percent, you know that that's when it it really starts to make sense to to pay that off and have that that you know security for sure. <clears throat> okay, so just last question. Uh, the, there's these things out there that people might be really confused about hearing yeah. about these reverse mortgages. Yeah. Uh, are they scary? Are they good? Like, should people like, cause there's a lot of teachers who are getting to retirement and sadly a lot of their retirement is either pension and nothing else or, or a home they own and a pension. Yeah. Like, like they, they yeah. might have those two things and not have been able to put anything else to the side. So if we're in that situation where we're, we have a pension, but it's going to be drastically less than what they're, they're living on you know, is a reverse yeah. mortgage an option? What What is your take? No, it's, it's a, it's a really good question. Fair question. I have been a reverse mortgage counselor for, for just five, six months. Um, but I'll tell you this, uh, before I became a reverse mortgage counselor through for, um, money fit, I was, I was hesitant. I, I cause all the things that I had heard, I'd heard all these horror stories of a spouse, dying and the the surviving spouse getting kicked out of the home or you know they get sick and they go into assisted living and they're going to lose their home immediately and now that what the, the the other spouse doesn't have any there were changes in the law and i think it was 2014 and they were they were necessary and they were good so that loans these reverse mortgages made since 2014 uh will uh, if you do and, and you need to meet with a reverse mortgage counselor, um, you need to have your spouse on the loan, even if they're not a borrower. They need to be in the paperwork so that if something does happen to you, they can stay in the home. Uh, they, they, they're not going to continue to get monthly payments, but there's a lot of different options with a reverse mortgage. It's not just you get, you know, you have a. For every hundred thousand dollars, maybe you get hundred, two hundred dollars a month, or or uh, for every month till you die. I don't, I don't know exactly. It's going to be vary depending on my situation. But uh, that you can also just get a a, a line of credit, and uh, as interest rates go up, the line of credit might actually go up as well. But you don't have to use it. But it's there if you do need it, uh, or what I what really intrigued me, by the way, yeah, you if something happens to you and your your spouse is on the paperwork, they continue to stay in the home as long as they want. They just don't continue to receive any of those benefits. So hopefully there's another source of income. 
But let's say, uh, you know, here's a really cool way of using a reverse mortgage. If you're willing to do this as part of your retirement, if you're like, hey, there's, I can't, we can't afford to retire or can't afford to, you know, do anything in retirement, you can actually use a reverse mortgage to buy, for example, um, an investment property. As long as you live in that investment property six months and a day every year, and let's say you got a fourplex. Let's say you could get a fourplex with that investment property. Now you own that fourplex and you have three three uh, renters paying you every single month income. So uh, for the rest, I mean, as long as you stay in, the, as long as you live there, and then if, you know, if you live there for 15 years, 20 years, then you can sell it and you have some uh, equity for that home uh, possibly. So. There's there's a lot to do a lot about it and and survivors don't uh, are not going to have to pay extra above what the home is worth. The most they would have to pay for the home if you maxed out that reverse mortgage because reverse mortgage is just it is what it says. Instead of you paying your 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 mortgage down, they're paying you so your mortgage is going up. If when you pass away, uh, even if the mortgage is higher than the value of the home and you're uh, your errors have the opportunity er errors. <laughs> they're not errors. They're not mistakes. Your heirs have the opportunity to buy the home for 97% of its uh, appraised value. So they get a little discount if they, if they decide to keep it. That's awesome. Now, there's, there's a lot of things in, in reverse mortgages that are quite confusing. And once again, as a notary, just fair warning, the stacks are really thick that, that <laughs> they have to go through to do those. So you have to be willing to sign a lot of papers. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is an option out there. And, uh, you know, of course, if you have, you know, a home that you raised a family in, you could consider selling and buying something smaller than having the, you know, the, the proceeds to uh, that you don't spend on the, the newer home. Uh, to, to use in retirement as well. Um, you could also, uh, you know, pull out a, a, a new mortgage on that, like a cash out refinance. Um, if you can make the payments on that and just use the, the funds elsewhere, um, because pulling out that debt's not going to be a, a taxable event. Um, so th there are lots of different things you can do with your home. Um, yeah. Reverse mortgage is just one of them. So there's yeah. the, talk to a counselor uh, about all these different uh, options yeah. and find out what they have to go over all your alternatives. That's part of the counseling uh, required counseling session. So yeah, absolutely reach out to somebody, preferably before you decide, because a lot of times people will reach out to us. They've already talked to the lender and they've already decided they're going to get it. There's not a whole lot of counseling we can do with somebody uh, with alternatives if they've already made that decision. Right. I love it. Okay. Well, Todd, thank you so much for being with us today. I have two more questions for you just okay. to wrap this up. You've done a fantastic job of breaking down mortgages for us, and I absolutely love it. Uh, my, my first question for you is, what is your number one tip for teachers to have a richer wallet, classroom, and life? Uh, I, I love love that question because it, it's not just finance. But coming from a finance professional um my rule, uh, first rule is generosity first. And it doesn't have to be just money. It is time, which teachers are very familiar with being generous with their time. Uh, but uh, time, effort, support, whatever it might be, generosity first, uh, and then pay yourself first. 
those two rules. If you will pay yourself first, you the rest of your life will conform to what's left. And you will, with money in your savings and investments, you will find you will have a life that's uh, you feel secure and satisfied with at any income level. Love it. Those are fantastic suggestions. All right. Where can uh, our teacher listeners find out more about you? You it can uh, find me at moneyfit.org. That's uh, money, F-I-T, moneyfit.org. And uh, my email is easy. It's toddtodd at moneyfit.org. And, I, and I'm happy to hear from anybody with any questions. I don't charge for for budget counseling or for um, credit report reviews or analyses. I, that's We do a lot of free services as a nonprofit. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Todd, today. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon about some other fantastic topics. I'll look forward to it. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to come on the podcast for coaching, to share an expert opinion, or just to talk about a topic you think is relevant, I'd love to talk to you. Just fill out the form at teachermoneyshow.com slash guest. I look forward to talking with you.